Across the world, hospital violence has been a quiet, growing epidemic. While nurses and other medical staff were being hailed as heroes of the pandemic, they've simultaneously been the targets of verbal and physical abuse and disrespect by the very people they felt called to heal. And it's not only patients, physical, verbal, nonverbal, and even sexual violence has been perpetrated towards healthcare workers by patients' family members, work relationships like bosses, coworkers, patients' relatives, and by total strangers. You've no doubt heard of some of the workplace shootings and stabbings of physicians and nurses. Did you know, though, that healthcare workers are at five times greater risk of being injured by violence than employees in any other private sector industry? Since 2011, hospitals have seen roughly a 60% increase in the rate of attacks reported against healthcare workers. So just how common is this? Well, a recent study looking at the question since the pandemic started found that between 18 and 85% of healthcare workers have experienced workplace violence during that time, depending on the setting. So just think about that. What are the chances that you might be the victim of violence in your workplace? And more importantly, how do you think that would affect you? Today, we're going to hear up close and personal from some people at the front lines. Welcome to Key into Quality, a Mayo Clinic podcast focusing on healthcare quality experience and affordability trends and solutions. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Tim Morgenthaler, a professor of medicine here at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science, and I'm the vice chair of Mayo Clinic Quality. Co-hosting today's conversation is Sherry Nemec. Sherry? Welcome, everyone. I'm Sherry Nemec, Consultation Relationship Manager for Quality at Mayo Clinic. Our conversation today will focus on the impact of workplace violence to just a couple of our Mayo Clinic staff. However, we know that verbal and physical attacks happen to our staff, unfortunately, way more often than we'd like. Yeah, it's hard to capture all of it, but we're lucky today to have a couple guests. Our first guest today is Molly. Molly, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been a nurse for over seven years at Mayo. I started off on a medical surgical unit there, and that's where I stayed Um, my whole career until I went back to nurse practitioner school. So the last year I've been working as an NP in the clinic side. So Molly, as you were preparing and studying and going through your bachelor's degree to become a nurse, how did you view your role would be as a nurse? What motivated you to do that work? Um, I think my family members were a big motivator. So my mom's been a nurse at Mayo for over 40 years. And she was kind of a big influence of why I wanted to choose healthcare and went to school. But my main goal was to help patients and to try to help them get out of the hospital and get back into their lives. That's where I ended up going. I'm always curious to know then, you know, as you entered the workforce, I'm actually married to a nurse, so I know a little bit about this, but there's the school learning and then there's the preceptor learning and then there's the learning that takes place when you actually get on the job. How did you experience your work as you began actually being employed as a nurse? What were the things that stand out to you as you reflect back? You know, going through nursing school, you read the books and you do clinicals, but you usually get paired with patients that are nice and pleasant and easy to work with. And then going into the workforce, you get assigned patients, no matter what they're there for or what behaviors or issues they have health-wise or mental health-wise. So that was kind of something that I wasn't really expecting to walk into so quickly as a new nurse. This is really sort of leaning in now to where we were going to have our conversation. I mean, could you share with us maybe one or more of those experiences that maybe were with people that weren't exactly pleasant? Working night shifts. Usually I think people assume that all patients are sleeping and you just kind of 
chill throughout the night, but that's usually not the case at all. One of the night shifts that I was a charge nurse on the unit, one of the patients that we had been having difficulties with for behaviors and acting out violently towards staff, I was helping my coworker kind of clean her up and get her back into bed. And she just lunged at my coworker, ended up grabbing her arm and biting her and kind of pulling her in. And after we got the patient back into bed, kind of assessed my coworker, she ended up having bite marks on her arm and she was bleeding. Um, so that involved security, calling the BERT team or the Behavioral Emergency Response Team, filing a police report eventually for the injury that she sustained. Mm. You know, now when that happened, if you can just think back to that night, what sort of things went through your mind? I'm imagining you were trying to figure out what prompted these behaviors. I don't know. What kind of things went through your mind as you were there for that? Yeah, I think it was, it's always kind of appalling as a nurse when patients um, aren't very nice or maybe act out violently towards you because we're only there to help. So I think that was one of the things that first surprised me as a new nurse is that I've always just been trying to help. And sometimes patients, you know, have different behaviors or different mental health complexities um, that maybe make them act out in ways that you weren't expecting. There's been several injuries um, on the unit, just even on a med surge floor from patients acting out. I've been a clinician. I've worked in the hospital and in the ICUs and emergency departments. And it strikes me that as I've observed these things, one of the things that I dwell on, and I, I just wonder if you'd share your thoughts, is you observe some behaviors, and sometimes the patient is severely ill. They may have delirium, you know, mental status changes that they really don't know what they're doing. And other times you kind of wonder, is this sort of their way that they behave? Did you have those kind of thoughts with this particular experience? Yeah, I think there was always the patients that you know, have delirium or Alzheimer's or other mental health complications that definitely impact their behavior. And I think that that's always the more understanding case as a nurse to realize that that's not actually them and they're not acting maliciously on purpose. But then there is the other side of patients that are staff splitting and behavioral on purpose. Those situations were the ones that we were more likely to realize that we're definitely not okay. Molly, that must have been a really difficult situation. How did that impact you in moving forward in care of future patients? As a new nurse, I was more willing to just accept that the event had happened and just kind of go on with my shift and come back the next day for my next shift. But as more and more of my coworkers got hurt or we had to file more reports, I became a more experienced nurse, and I think I was more willing to start speaking up about those things to not only protect my coworkers, but also the other patients that could be vulnerable on the unit. So I think I transitioned kind of from accepting violent acts to um, being an advocate for reporting them. And say more about that. I know when we chatted before, you were talking a little bit about how you're involved in that advocacy. What are the things you're doing at Mayo Clinic today? Um, I worked with my CNS that I worked with as a nurse on the floor. We wrote up a little thing on the homepage to bring workplace violence into the view and make more people aware that it does happen, even though um, it's kind of been brushed under the rugs for probably several years and several decades, that as a nurse, it's not something that we should have to go through or have to come into work and expect to happen to us. 
Yeah. You know, I wonder, Molly, you, you know, you've been a nurse now for seven years. You've been involved. You're, you know, a valued team member. Have you seen others around you be affected by the workplace violence? And if so, how? Yeah, I think some of my coworkers that got hurt, you know, they were on frictions from work and they weren't able to work at the bedside because of the injuries that they sustained. And then there's the other side of coworkers that just had mental trauma of being attacked or being hurt on the job when they weren't expecting to come into work that day and go home a different person. Well, maybe I can ask you personally, did this affect your home life? I think I have it in the back of my mind to just remain resilient and try to realize that Mm. the patient didn't attack me because I did something wrong. And just realizing that I had a a great team to fall back on and great CNS to go to if there was any ever any issues. Um, so I think just having teammates and teamwork helped me get through all of the hard experiences that happen. As we watch the news daily, it becomes a little bit pervasive that there's a general increase in, in violent and disrespectful behaviors across all lines of society. And I think in healthcare, well, I know that at least at Mayo Clinic, we're trying to dig the paddles into the water and, and make some progress towards these things. What about all the different things that are happening gives you some hope that things may get better? As a new nurse, I was kind of more willing to accept some things, but as I became more experienced and then started precepting other new nurses, I tried to you know, incorporate that in their training and realization that this isn't something that you have to accept or something that you have to hide. When I started, I didn't realize that there was as many resources as there actually are at Mayo for supporting staff when workplace violence happens. So one of the things that I started doing was filing that misconduct form that's available, filing those reports and making security aware, and then people start paying attention. And actually, people in administration started reaching out to me, making sure that we were okay after these events happened, and then filing it under the patient's info to make sure that other staff would be aware that this could potentially happen. That's actually what I was going to ask you is, you know, the the filing of the reports or the documenting the kinds of behaviors that you're seeing. How do you feel that that helps others care for the patient, actually? Yeah, I think that they can see um, we can add flags to the chart to make other people and other healthcare members aware that this patient possibly had violent misconduct or some kind of abuse to healthcare staff in the past so that other people taking care of them on a different admission would be aware that this could be a potential. Um, And then just having extra support staff around if that would be needed for those types of patients. So Molly, you went into nursing in part because it was something that you saw modeled by your mom, it sounds like, and that you resonated with the mission to help others who were ill be restored to health and, and function. I don't know your circumstance, but let's say you did have a daughter. Do you think that your daughter is going to see that same desire? That's what I would hope that she would see. I think my mom is kind of like me and not willing to brush issues under the rug. And so I think part of me speaking up and wanting to make this issue more known and realized is in part because of my mom's attitude as a nurse also. Wow. Well, Molly, I just want to thank you for sharing your insights and your experience. I just want to also just thank you for being you, for what you bring to work every day and in the service of our patients and our team members. And is there anything that you'd want to say as your last parting comments? 
just for all the new nurses out there that um, there's support and there's people to help and you don't have to shoulder this alone. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Molly. Workplace violence, like violence in general, can have multiple consequences, not only on the physical, but also on the psychological health of the victim. The consequences of workplace violence affect not only the healthcare worker, but the organization and even the society as a whole. When such incidents occur, between 5 and 65% of workers are physically injured. In addition, 5 to 32% of workplace violence victims experience clinically significant PTSD. These events evoke feelings of anger. They cause low work productivity. They leave the healthcare workers feeling unsafe and fearful while at work and decrease their overall job satisfaction. This affects patient safety and the quality of care as well. Meta-analyses examining the relationship between workplace violence and quality outcomes show an increase in medication errors, surgical errors, and failure to report clinical issues of concern that result in adverse events, patient experience, and even mortality rates across an entire organization. Today, we have the benefit of being joined by Tracy. Tracy, I'm going to start this conversation by asking you, where did you start your Mayo Clinic experience? I started my Mayo Clinic experience in the Office of Patient Experience Mm. as a specialist. And my primary role was to um, work with patients when they called in with a grievance or complaint and try to help them resolve such. Yeah, Tracy, that can be some challenging work. So tell us what got you interested in that kind of position. Well, I've worked in healthcare for more than 20 years, um, and I transitioned from another health system. So helping patients, even though I'm not a primary caregiver, helping them with their care has always been my passion. So I was a pretty good fit for the role. Tracy, how did you get involved in that vision for yourself, you know, taking care of patients. I'm just curious, did you have some prior personal experiences or how did you get there? That's a good question. So I like to tell everyone I meet in healthcare at any time you can be a patient, a family member, or a worker in healthcare. And I've had all three of those experiences. So I have a a different perspective on caring for others and helping, and that helps my passion. I have to confess that when I hear your first position, I think, okay, here's somebody who has nerves of steel because I'm, I'm a physician and, you know, I'd love to tell you that my patients are always happy with what I do, but they aren't. So you're working at the grievances area, supervising that. Maybe you could share with us a little bit about what did you experience there? Most of the experiences were very good because I had the opportunity to lend an ear to patients that called in that were stressed because most often I couldn't fix their problem and their anger wasn't towards me or towards the healthcare organization. It's recognizing they were upset about what they were going through personally Mm. in a situation that they couldn't control with their health or their loved one's health. But there was a time where I had a very difficult experience. And although it was over the phone, It was so impactful and it still sits with me today. Long story short, I had been working with a family because they had a grievance about their family member's care. And after about six months, we realized we weren't going to be able to give them the resolution they were looking for. And they turned on me. Mm. The husband sent a grievous email to me personally, cursing me out calling me all kinds of names, really belittling me and 
telling me that I let him down. I wasn't able to resolve his grievance. And it, it sat with me for a long time. Yeah. Um, it was it was very hurtful because I had given all I could, I thought. I want to lean in on that a little bit. One of the things that you said in just sharing that, that, uh, you know, may have surprised some people, you were working with that for six months. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, the process, what types of things are going on behind the curtain, if you will, as you're trying to help the patients resolve things? So initially, the husband and wife called in about their daughter. So for a little um, context, their daughter was suffering with cancer, was incurable, and she was on our critical unit floor. And the problem was her husband had brought her some drugs into the hospital. It showed up in her blood work. So (laughs) the family was in this big contentious situation and they were calling us to get support with our legal team, with our clinicians. So we were sort of just the facilitator of all these meetings. And so I had a vested interest in getting this family some help and support, although I couldn't change the situation myself. Mm. And we had developed a great relationship, I felt. And then for him to just turn on me, I know it wasn't personal, but it still hurt because I had tried to do what I could to represent Mayo Clinic values and my Mm. own personal values as well in supporting them. You just said, I know it wasn't personal, and yet it was kind of personal attacks if they're name calling and so forth and so on. How do you get your head around that? As I shared before, I've, I've been in, worked in healthcare for many years. But for someone, I would say that was new to patient experience, I think it could have been detrimental for their heart, for their mind, especially when you have a heart to help others. None of us want to let anyone down, especially when you want to do a good job. That situation has always stayed with me. I'll never forget it. I don't want to pinpoint the date, but I mean, are we talking months, years? How long ago was this that it's still with you? About four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Tracy, I know you're not in experience anymore and you've moved on to other roles within Mayo Clinic. And some of those when we were chatting earlier were around volunteers and screening at the door. And I know there's been a, a lot of challenges in healthcare in that space over the last few years. And can you tell a story about some experiences that you had there? Yes. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to supervise the information desk in transport volunteers um, about a year and a half ago. And in the heart of COVID, we had to require visitors to wear masks on campus at all times, no exceptions. And I was at the desk one day and overheard some commotion across the hall. And it was a visitor resisting wearing a mask. And the screener who is an employee was trying to explain all the reasons why. And the visitor was just giving her a very hard time, yelling, screaming, refusing. So I went over and I tried to sort of mediate the situation and the visitor got very ugly with me. So I was firm and let them know, you know, there's, there's only one option here or you'll have to leave our facility. You're going to use mutual respect and not abuse our staff. And I felt like in that moment, I had the opportunity to to be an advocate for one of our own, to represent our rich ties Mm. in a situation where they were being abused. Mm. How did the volunteers seem affected by these kind of things? These were not uncommon. I know that. How did that affect those individuals 
personally and maybe also their sense of mission. I mean, they're, they're there to help. Well, I can tell you the volunteers at the Florida campus in particular are a lot of people that are retired professionals. So their skin is not thin. They appreciated me sort of stepping in and standing up for our staff member. The needs of the patient do come first and we show everyone mutual respect, but at the same time, we have to require our visitors to give us that same respect. So there was some verbal abuse and some anger and some disrespect. Have you yes. been witness to physical violence or people feeling like physical violence was imminent? I felt like in that moment, physical violence could have been imminent. Mm -hmm. And so the, the second part to the story is I got security to remove that individual because they would not sort of pipe down. That's a very scary place for people to be, right? When you don't know, it feels like something could happen next. And that's just as impactful than all the other verbal or physical kinds of violence, because it really does create that sort of response within a person. To listen to this short conversation that we're having, in some ways, you have chosen to put yourself in that kind of role on behalf of not only staff members, but patients. I mean, the whole goal of all this is to create a safe environment where people can get better. I'm thinking that you probably have some characteristics intrinsic to you that, you know, you're just courageous. I'll just, I'll say that you're courageous, but you know, on a day like that, you come home that evening, what do you share with your husband and your family members? Thankfully, most of the stories I share with him are positive. But we have to be, you know, be wise and mindful and watchful that everyone that comes into our facilities don't have good intentions. And sometimes when people are under stress, they act out of character. And so we have to be mindful of that. Well, I'm also impressed with the level of support that you mentioned about supporting each other and teamwork. And that's really core to our values, which I do see every day on our campuses. So you have a set of unique skills and you're here, you have a sounding board. What do you have to say to either patients, families, or healthcare workers? What's the path toward making things better for all of us? I think the path towards making things better is understanding that we all have invisible battles that we're fighting mm. and try to assume the best before the worst when we meet someone and from a healthcare provider perspective, make it your personal mission to change somebody's life every time you come to work. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom and your inspiration. These kind of encounters are just really valuable to me personally, and I'm sure that the listeners will really appreciate what you've shared. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you so much, Tracy. You're welcome. I am proud to work in an organization that lists as one of its core values, respect. We try to translate that into respect for each other, for our patients, and for every visitor to our center. In the context of today's conversation, that means finding ways to help prepare for and prevent workplace violence. The good news is that much is being done now to address these issues. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We're glad that you could join us and hope the information provided is insightful and valuable. Again, Mayo Clinic's Key Into Quality podcast 
aims to help you take some of those first steps to address important quality challenges in your organization. The development of this podcast is part of our effort to be a valued resource to healthcare organizations striving to improve. Our goal is to improve quality for patients and the populations we all serve. Please let others in your organization know about this podcast so the information can be spread and share your ideas about this podcast with us so we can continue to serve and improve our podcasts. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.